0: My therapist told me that I'm a sexual maniac, Um, which, to be honest, I'm surprised. Um, Not that she said it, but that she managed to get the ball gag off to say it.
1: (laughs) Oh, dude, we know you don't have the capabilities to use a
0: ball (laughs) gag. No, I have the capabilities to wear one, not to use one. (laughs) My Dixie Wreck. (laughs) I guess we're ready for the show then. The writing is atrocious, not a single joke come even close to remotely landing or being funny.
1: I don't know why, but that is extremely interesting to me. <laughs> I'm into that kind of thing. Get to the chopper, sorry. I feel like we're so spoiled by the internet these days. Thankfully, this does wrap up quite quickly. Step, step back, step, step back. You're going to fuck up in a minute. I'm going to set your place on fire. Let's get higher. How do you know about these people? And what the fuck is this pattern? This effect made people to die. This couldn't make its mind up on what it wanted to be. Yeah. Get a little bit of gasoline. I'm going to make it burn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it burn. I'm
0: going to make it burn. I'm going to make it burn. Hello and a big welcome to the You Run podcast. Uh, Inappropriate jokes and banter like we used to have before everyone got so easily offended. Uh, My name is Scott. Uh, My name is Mark. Uh, And we're your host each week and we bring you not only movie reviews but facts, games, quizzes, guests. Uh, We have fantastic ways to get you involved in the show like free word review, hot takes and memes to make you bad. Make you bad. Memes to make you mad. uh, Which is back this week. Um, It was actually back when we done Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, I spoke about it in the opening of the show and then completely forgot to do it. So I had to edit that out. So that's how, yeah, that's the professionalism (laughs) you're getting here. So at the beginning of Winnie the Pooh, I'm going yeah memes to make you mad is back and it's back for the bang and then we I never it, spoke about it again it just
1: wasn't a back at all
0: <laughs> no uh, so i edited all that out so no one knew that but I, th- I felt i should confess um there is another way you can get involved in the show and that's leaving us a voicemail you can either do that by recording us a tick and uh with no music and tagging us or sending us an audio dm on instagram uh, we're at you run podcast on both of those platforms um brand new feature you can now also email us and get your email read on the air. So if you've taken offense to something that Mark has said, um, instead of now having to record a message and hear your own voice, you can simply send us an email. All you need to do is go you run podcast at gmail.com and put in there that Mark said Dick Blue Sea great and it's really, really not. And I hate him. And I just can't believe he said it. And we'll read that on the air for you.
1: I know I would win the majority in that poll.
0: Anyway, moving on. Um, Each week we bring you not only fabulous reviews, uh, but fabulous accounts to follow as well. Um, And it's literally like one of only three accounts I follow a week now. Uh, Mark, it's time to do the dance.
1: Recommended account of the week. So this week's recommended account is Children of the Fright. Children of the Fright is a movie review page. Something that I haven't given many of, to be honest with you. I think Jay was one of the last ones that I did. Um, Children of the Fright is exactly what it says in the tin. It's, it's, it's It's a movie review page. However, the reason why I picked them as recommended account of the week this week is because they are a very similar account to me. They don't necessarily always go for the mainstream movies. There is some weird stuff that this guy has been off, gal has been watching, um, which is right up my street. Um, I'm pride myself on watching the strangest. Yeah, so, do yeah. Not say that out loud. Don't uh, I mean let's, think let's, let's put a label on it. Yeah, I watch some crap, and this this account seems to watch some crap too. But they enjoy it the same way I do. So I figured it was only right that I give them a shout out, so they could also reach wider audiences. If this podcast does that and enables people to reach those platforms this is kind of a twofer as well because they also have a tv show account where they review television shows obviously within the horror horror sort of genre and that is terrifying television so you get two accounts for one this week um as always check them out give them a like give them a follow and make sure you comment and let them know that the Euron podcast sent you there
0: okay so i'm following four accounts this week because that's two i've got to follow on top of the other ones i normally do
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, so it's a week for you this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this week we are not going it alone and we are joined by one of your favourite guests. Now, she's appeared twice on the show. Both of these episodes are in our top 10 listened to episodes of all time. Um, one of those episodes is our most listened to episode ever by a country mile as well, by a long, long way. Um, she is the transition terror the makeup master, the undisputed queen of TikTok, the one and only Lady Crisis, or as me and Mark know her, Mary. Welcome back.
2: (laughs) Thank you, guys. It's good to be back.
0: Uh, Good to have you back. Yeah. um, A lot's happened since we last had you on the show. Do you want to give everyone an update of how your life has dramatically changed?
2: Wow. Yeah, it's been a year, so I would say... In the past year, I think Grandpa's been here at least three or four times, and I can confirm that he is a fan of Deep Blue Sea more than Jaws.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the greatest reels I've ever seen (laughs) in my life. When you put that reel up and you tagged me in it, and I woke up that morning, obviously because of the time difference, I woke up and I was like, this is the greatest wake-up call I've ever had today. I was like, I hope Scott's watched this already.
0: (laughs) Yeah, your, your grandpa is incredible. He makes some of the... Most entertaining content ever, <laughs> and you put him through absolute torture. Some of the movies you make him watch,
2: I do. This this last visit, he was not feeling any of the movies. He literally just got up and walked out and went to bed.
1: <laughs> really?
2: Like, oh man! So that's when I put Deep Blue Sea on because he likes action, and so yeah, he really he was it.
1: well in that. He was well yeah. invested yeah. into it. He was, it was into fantastic. it. So. Give a little bit of a background on your grandpa, then. What's his his deal? Because, obviously, he does not like horror, and you subject him to some horrific things. So, how do you manage to get him to do that? Because I can't... He doesn't seem to come willingly each time you
2: do it. (laughs) I think he's just... He's, like, a really laid-back guy. I mean, he's way into westerns and stuff. So, we did watch... What was that movie?
1: Ravenous. Is that the cannibal one? No, no, no. Oh, Tomahawk.
2: Yes. And, I mean, he, he actually enjoyed that one, but... No, he's a western guy, and um, I pretty much grew up with my grandpa. He's like a second father to me, so I think he's just I can calm him into doing whatever.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, you use that daddy's yeah. girl charm on him, do you? Yeah. That, think, a he's, a, he's, got
2: a, he's got a shit ton of grandkids. I think we all kind of put him through format. At times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a legend, he's a real, he's a true legend. He is, and if you've not checked out lady crisis it's at lady crisis seven on tiktok and on instagram i think that's right isn't it yes yeah
2: lady crisis Seven. yeah
0: yeah lady crisis seven um the reels of the tiktoks with her grandpa are hilarious because he's he's such a character L- like you you're a very big bold character and you're like Today, we're going to get Grandpa to watch. <laughs> and it's like the most horrific film ever. It's like, today, Grandpa's watching Cannibal Holocaust. And then it cuts to your grandpa, and he's, oh like like, he's looking at you like, what are you making me watch? Yeah. Why am I watching that? He's great. Yeah.
1: It's usually the level of disgust on his face which draws me in, which is why when you sent me that Deep Blue Sea one, I was like, this is amazing. I can see the enjoyment on his face.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly. Um, Are you ready for today?
2: Uh, I'm as ready as I can be, I
0: guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm here. You're here. You're kind of willing. Nervous again? You shouldn't be nervous. You're you're well trained at this day. You've done loads of podcasts now. (laughs) Yeah, uh, a few. Mark, are you ready? Are you prepared?
1: I have some questions for tonight, I'll be honest with you. I have some issues and some concerns that
0: I need addressing. Okay, I'm pretty sure me and Mary will both be able to answer all of your concerns because I'm sure me and Mary are scoring this movie fucking high. As
1: well as does the rest of the planet. I feel like I'm alone on an island right now and I need answers.
0: Okay, no, that's fine. Um, how about we talk about a wealthy investment banker uh, with a love for Huey in the news and his adventures as he desperately tries to hide his darker side from the world? Starring Patrick Bateman, I'm Batman, and directed by Mark Harnan. No, uh, man, not uh, do you Mark want Hull. to try that one again? It's, it's not starring Patrick Bateman at all. No, it's not. It's not starring Patrick <laughs> Bateman. It's, <laughs> it's sure, starring, sure. starring <laughs> Christian Bale. It's starring Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman. Yeah, I'm Batman. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's directed by Mary Harrod. Uh, it's the 2000 cult classic American Psycho.
1: New card. What do you think? Woohoo. Very nice.
0: Patrick, he's so sweet. Jean? Yes, Patrick? Would you like to accompany me to dinner? Sabrina, why don't you dance a little? Christy, get down on your knees.
2: We're not through yet.
1: That's a wonderful suit. It looks so soft. I don't
0: think I can control myself. If you stay something bad will happen i feel lethal on the verge of frenzy i think my mask of sanity is about to slip
1: do you have any witnesses or fingerprints actually yes hmm I know my uh, behavior can be erratic sometimes. Hey, Paul! Ah! So, what do you do? I'm into, uh, well, murders and executions mostly.
0: I have all the characteristics of a human being, but not a single clear identifiable emotion. I simply am not there. I uh, I just
1: had to kill a lot of people.
0: Listeners kick off the scores and a little bit higher than I expected, but they scored this a whopping 9 out of 10. Um, IMDB clock in at 7.6 out of 10. Um, because mark scores out of five because he's he's actually a psycho um we go to amazon for his his version of the score and they scored this a 4.4 4 out of five so super high scores across the board which is kind of what i expected yeah if this movie was a person it would be old enough to drink and take part in adult entertainment which means it qualifies for a spoiler warning spoiler alert Uh, we will give a full run through and we will spoil everything so if you haven't seen it go away watch it come back and listen or listen anyway i'm I'm not the boss of you um don't forget that after i run through we're going to share some behind the scenes facts we're going to get some hot takes memes to make you mad and mary is going to take on horror not horror so -hmm. don't go anywhere before we get going let's all get in the right spirit and everyone give it a their best go at hip to be square. So Mark, you take us away.
1: In in terms of what? I feel like ter- I'm the <laughs> to lead the example in, on this.
0: in terms of give it a bit of a sing, give a bit of sing, a Huey in the News. I Dude, do, I don't sing. You know I don't sing. i refuse <laughs> used to do the Christmas single. I am not a singer. Yeah, but you could, you could, you could rattle out hip to be square. You could do one line. Um, It's hip to be square. Well, See, done. I mean, that is the most monotone
1: <laughs> thing you could ever think of
0: mary can you show them how to do it
2: i don't even know the lyrics no i know the tune and then hip to b square that's there you it. go that was
0: much better than my attempt uh, i'm not going to give it a go because i've just made you two do it that's not fair you can't do okay. that it's hip to b square du, 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 du. i won't do any more because it's so good it'll get copyright flagged on <laughs> spotify so <laughs> um, Unlike lots of movies we cover on the show, this movie will not benefit from a full detailed run through. And that's not because it isn't worthy of it. It's because a lot of the scenes in this movie are dialogue based. So if we went through them, we would literally be recounting the movie line for line. And that's not entertaining in an audio form. Great in the movie. Not so good if us three just reenact it for you. Um, because of this, we're going to look at key moments. We're going to gloss over a little bit, but we're going to get everything in there. We open with a group of Wall Street, Strader. Wall Street Straders. God, what's what going, going on? on?
2: Do, do you, How many beers did you guys have?
0: Uh, I'm only on <laughs> my second. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mark's had quite a few. Yeah, yeah a few. I've had quite a few, but that's standard for me. Uh, we open with a group of Wall Street Traders at a posh dinner. Uh, and it's purely a scene to set the... The tone of the life that christian bale's character patrick bateman lives in um you see lavish food on the table we hear waiters giving the specials like squid ink ravioli lemongrass broth with a swordfish meatloaf one of their friends reports back that there's no good place to do cocaine in the toilet and they all mock a rival trader called paul allen um, there are some racist jokes which i don't condone but they do fit the setup for these characters The bill comes to five hundred dollars for four of them with drinks and they all slap down their platinum American Express cards. Five hundred dollars doesn't sound a lot in modern terms. So I adjusted it for inflation. Uh, Any guesses how much that meal cost today? Mary, what do you reckon?
2: Oh, God. How many people were there? Four. Four. Mm.
0: So it was five hundred dollars in the movie. Adjusting that to inflation for today. I don't know, maybe seven fifty eight hundred. dollars Mark? $1,400. Ooh. Mark's closer. Still low wow. ball in it. Uh, it would have cost them $1,900. That is an expensive <laughs> meal. That is yeah. insane. That's crazy amounts of money. Uh, the traders head off to a club, and this is where we get the first glimpse of Bateman being psycho. Um, the bartender tells him that it's cash only. And he smiles and agrees. And then when she turns around and her back is turned, he says, you're an ugly bitch. I want to stab you to death and play around with your blood. When she turns back round, he smiles and takes the drinks. <laughs> I'm going to say it a lot in this Christian Bale nails this character so well. Uh, masterclass in acting. He as a performer in general
1: is one of the greatest performers in Hollywood, I think. The dedication that this guy gives to his roles each and t- time and time again is, is second to none. And the thing is as well, like it's kind of underrated sometimes because of the, some of the roles that he takes on, such as the Batman. I know Batman is an iconic role to play, but the level of dedication he gives to that role, even, even such a stupid thing like the Terminator 4 film that he was in, Without question, his performance as John O'Connor in that film was was amazing. And this guy as an actor is outstanding. And considering he's Welsh as well, of all things.
0: He he is. I've got a fact about his Welshness. The the (laughs) fact that he hides his Welshness. (laughs) Uh, Incredibly well on this. We'll we'll save it till we get to facts. Um, We get a look at Patrick Bateman's morning routine. Um, Mark, you've questioned me before about 30 minutes in the shower. This movie now answers why I take so long.
2: (laughs) You say you have a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven regiment in the shower.
0: Not far (laughs) off. It's it's pretty close. Um, I'm not going through the routine. All I'm going to say is this man has the best grooming on the face of planet Earth.
2: Yeah, I actually had written it down when I did the show with BP. because I was like curious what his routine was. I was like, no way. I mean, that routine alone is probably $1,000. Who knows?
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. The skincare cream alone, the fact that he yeah. uses no alcohol moisturiser must be extortionately <laughs> expensive.
0: Yeah, whereas uh, us in the UK, we use whatever the cheapest shower gel is available at the time.
1: Yeah. I'm a man of links. Africa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, also... Christian Bale is in better shape in this movie than when he played Batman. He is in incredible shape in this movie. An Adonis sculpted. Yeah. 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 The carbon copy of what I look like, basically. Um, <laughs> can, is... can I just stop
1: you before we go any further? Cause this opening segment with his morning routine is where I first begin to take issue with this film. And it's something that I would like to get an input from, from you guys to see what you think. So I'll ask, the overall question i 'll start with you, Mary. I hate inner monologues in movies. I hate, hate, hate it, I hate the descriptive nature of 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 the way that it 's used in a story narrative Actually, it just doesn 't sit well with me, and every time I hear it, it reminds me of fear and love in las Vegas it, which was done great in that and extremely funny, but every time I see it in anything else, i can 't help but feel like it's fair and loving in las vegas So, how do you guys find it and does it sit well with you and does it work in this because for me it didn't that much i think
2: in this movie it worked for me because it gives you more insight to his narcissism and you know and it actually reads like some of the book which i've read before so it felt a lot like the novel in that way the novel's a lot more descriptive so i wouldn't want it as descriptive but i do think it gives you more insight on his character
1: for me, that's kind of half the issue that I took with it is the fact that it felt lazy almost, that the fact that they needed to do that as a way of describing it on screen. It no, felt I, like I was reading the book, but visually. Yeah. And I know I, that was maybe the intention of the director, but I don't know. I just didn't, I, I, I don't like it
0: personally when it's done. I love it. I think the monologue in this, especially this opening one and the one he does at the end of the movie, are probably two of the best scenes in the whole film the full circle that where you get him at the beginning of where he is and then the full circle coming back at the end in that monologue in his head i really like it i'll be honest as it went on
1: i think it took me about 20 minutes to adjust because it's obviously a reoccurring reoccurring thing throughout i did eventually slip into a comfortable state with it where it became natural but Mm -hmm. the first 20 minutes i found it really hard to digest i can see that
2: maybe how many is this your first time seeing
1: it no this is the first time i've probably seen this film in about 15 years or
2: okay all right i guess and and i'd
1: forgotten all about it as well like i'd forgotten it it was it was part of the story and part of the narrative. So when i watched
0: it i was like this is weird (laughs) (laughs) I, I, i like it um and we get so he goes to his office now um and we get him meeting uh We meet his secretary Jean, who's very meek and mild, and very. You can tell she's got almost like a fear of how powerful the Patrick Bateman character is. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "You look great today." And he is just vicious. He's like, uh, "Don't wear that again. Um, you can wear a dress or a skirt. Um, you, you're you're better. You're better looking than this." I think mean, did he say you're prettier than this? Was that the lines he used? Yeah.
1: And also I like high heels as she leaves.
0: Yeah. If a boss responded to you like that, Mary, what would your response be? It wouldn't be as subdued as hers.
2: I I would probably be like, what the fuck did you say? (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I, I can see you spinning around again. Sorry, who the fuck are you talking to? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, We cut to a cab where Bateman is trying to listen to a podcast. Now, we don't hear exactly what he's listening to, but we all know he's listening to the U-Run podcast, True Crime. (laughs) <laughs> shameless plug um anyway uh he's interrupted by his fiance evelyn who's played by reese weatherspoon and she's kind of pressuring him into getting married and he's reluctant and he's got some wild excuses as like i'm just too busy at work you know i just don't have time for this and she's like your dad owns the whole company and it kind of it ends when they arrive at dinner and they're with a group of traders and their girlfriends and we get some of the most misogynistic dialogue i think ever put into a movie um we also find out that evelyn's having an affair but bateman genuinely couldn't care less as he's sleeping with her drug addicted best friend courtney um to make it even more messy courtney is engaged to lewis who bateman refers to as the biggest doofus in the business
1: what's the deal with lewis because he was he was
0: strange yeah L- lewis is um lewis's closet Homosexual at this point because he comes that, out that, later. That
1: wasn't why I was referring to him. As <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like he doesn't fit or gel with this group of people. So like I didn't understand his his place within this circle.
0: I think he's there probably more through financial his girlfriend. benefits. Yeah, yeah, and they like, all work for the same company.
1: Yeah, because he was he reminded me of one of those people who are like, ah, oh, just go away. And I kind of got the impression that's what they all thought of him. But then he was also well-respected within the circle. And I was like, I don't understand who you are and why you're so well-respected among these peers, because this is a, a film that's based around hierarchy. And he didn't, didn't seem to fall within that bracket.
0: We've all got friends like that in our friend circle, though, who, like, you'll go for a night out and you'll send the text out in the group chat and everyone's like, yeah, I'm coming, yeah, I'm coming, yeah, I'm coming. And then someone replies, "Go, yeah, I'll be there. And you'll go, oh, fuck.
1: I thought they were going to say no
0: by <laughs> like me most weeks when i'm here <laughs> <laughs> um, the conversation is tracking along the problems in the world and after a few others have given examples of what they should all be worried about uh, bateman chimes in with a sentence that shocked me how accurate this is it was accurate 25 years ago when he said it in 2010 it was accurate when it was set in this movie 40 years ago, and it's still accurate today. So he said that they should be worried about nuclear arms, terrorism, world hunger, adding they need to provide food and shelter for the homeless, which he completely ruins later, Um, oppose racial discrimination, promote civil rights while promoting equal rights among women and less materialism in young people. There is not another movie where a quote is relevant that further forward in time like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, but the guy who said it clearly does not stand by these beliefs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not that even he, in the slightest. It's almost as if he believes he, the opposite to
0: this.
2: He's just like regurgitating information to make himself seem like he's, he fits in, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, th- I think he is. But it, it, it is. When I listened to it, I was like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nail of the head. Um, After dinner, we see Bateman take some money out of an ATM, uh, which is a lot of money as well. He takes out a wad of hundreds. Um, We see him share a smile with a lady before crossing the road side by side with her. We cut to the following day in a dry cleaners. um, Bateman's arguing with the owner who doesn't speak English. He's trying to get them to clean his bedding, which is obviously covered in blood. I'm assuming from the girl he met at the crosswalk the night before. Yeah. He's getting angrier and angrier. And at one point, he even turned around to the lady, if you don't shut your mouth, I will fucking kill you.
1: I couldn't work out whether she understood him or whether she was just shocked by his tone.
0: Yeah,
2: that's the question. <laughs>
0: uh, I don't think she did, because I think... And the husband definitely didn't, because if someone said to my wife, if you don't shut up, I'll fucking kill you, the chances of me punching him on the nose are fairly high.
1: Yeah, but I mean bateman stood there shredded like apollo creed and this guy's about four foot two (laughs) i don't think he's saying much is he (laughs)
0: um thankfully someone he knows comes in and convinces he basically convinces her to talk to the dry cleaners for her i love the fact that she's trying to make plans with him and he brushes her off with the most elegant way i've ever seen anyone brush someone off she's like (laughs) should we do lunch and he's like this saturday implying it's free and she's like that's great. He's going. oh, can't do Saturday. Anyway, got a dash. Bye. (laughs) I was amazed that he left there with the responsibility of
1: sorting out his bloody bed sheets, by the
0: way. Uh, I was like,
1: are you wanting to get caught? But he says it's cranberry juice. So they're
0: cranberry and apple.
1: I'm not being funny, mate, but let's be honest. It's clearly not cranberry and apple, is it?
0: (laughs) Um, There are some wild scenes in this movie. Um, Just every regular day stuff. Just he makes it. The, this movie makes this stuff just look like you're looking at it going. This can't be real. So the next scene, Bateman is sat watching a VHS porno incredibly loudly in his apartment, sat in his boxers, while on the phone to his mistress. We've all been there. <laughs> 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 well
1: not not so much recently but yeah i get where you go with this. yeah i've I've not been
0: there for at least a decade but i'm sure i've been there at one point um he's trying to convince courtney to go out for dinner um but she's reluctant and he eventually convinces by saying they'll go to dorsey which we've heard in earlier conversations is the place to be it's the most expensive restaurant going we see him call for a reservation and they're fully booked um courtney's character is really tragic and sad yeah. to me yeah really tragic Um, Bateman picks her up and she's off her face on some kind of medication and she starts sharing all about her day and that she's sad and she basically says that all she wants is to have is someone who loves her and two perfect children
1: Oh mate my mind's just gone (laughs) She's obviously engaged to a closet homosexual no wonder she's feeling so lonely and ah
0: Yeah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, to... man, that's just come full circle for me in this moment. <laughs> Welcome to the movie, Mark. Well done. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah, but that's not revealed till later on, so I was like, Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: Um <laughs> Bateman's response to this kind of uh her pouring her heart out is to suggest that she needs some more lithium, some coke, or some caffeine to get her out of the slump before they get to the restaurant. He's not a nice guy. No. No. Um He takes her to a restaurant, but it's not Dorcia. But she's so off her tits on drugs that she thinks it's Dorcia.
1: Yeah, because the the, um, the magnifying on the menu, which is like the barracuda, I believe.
0: Yeah. I want to get your take on this, Mary. So he orders for her. So is this him being incredibly toxic or is this him ordering for her because she's so out of it, she's incapable of reading the menu?
2: Probably both. And the fact that they're not really at Dorsia. <laughs> yeah. I
0: yeah. I just, I, 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 I hate to say it when I realized they weren't at Dorsia, right, I just kind of go, <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> that's so mean. It's so, so <laughs> mean.
1: Um, but it yeah. almost feels like it's like, it was like strategically planned because he knew that she would be in that situation yeah. and she yeah. would wake up the following day and reiterate to have Beyonce that she went to the Dorsia the night before At which point she would then big him up in the office being like, oh, thank you for taking her to the dossier. So it was all kind
0: of like well constructed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get one of my favourite scenes in the whole movie, which is the business card scene. Uh, So they're all in a big meeting room. All the traders are there. Um, You get Lewis thanking Bateman for taking Courtney to dossier. And with this, the business cards come out. Um, it all starts when Paul Allen. So this is the guy they were mocking earlier. He hands his business cards to one of the guys. Um, and he also has no idea who Bateman is. He thinks he's uh, Marcus Halstrom, which, again, I, I love the fact that he's got such a Bateman's character. has got such a big ego. And already before they even start looking at business cards, you can see how angry he is that this guy has no idea who he is. Right.
1: I'm going to come back to it later, but I have a lot of questions surrounding who this guy actually is. Is he actually Patrick Bateman? Uh, we'll get to it in the closing act, but it's like it's it was strange to me that he was calling him somebody else and he just rolled with it and continued to roll with it throughout his whole interaction with
0: Paul Allen. Okay, we'll come back to that because I think... You, yeah, I feel like it's yeah. an
1: important point, but like obviously just due to the ambiguity at the end then I, it's, it's something that I need to discuss but while we're on the subject of Paul Allen what do we guys all think of the 30 Seconds to Mars dude I always forget his name Jared Jared, Jared that- Lowell because he gets a bad rap these days but I think he's incredibly talented mary's not a fan <laughs> i'm not
2: a huge fan of
1: him i don't know what it is. i just saw i saw you wince when i was like oh he's incredibly talented and your face was just like this guy did he just say that He's bad.
2: unlikable
1: to me i don't know what it is
2: really i think he's
1: great and i like the band he's in as well and I, I think he's an incredible actor and i feel like he gets such a hard time all the time
2: I feel like everybody loves him. I don't know.
1: I, I feel- do. I oh, do. I think he's fantastic.
0: <laughs> Scott, um, do you hate him? I I wouldn't say it'd go as far as I I hate him. I wouldn't have cast him in this role. I'd have given this role to a young Zac Efron, personally. Yeah, this was Zac Efron was like four. <laughs> he probably was. <laughs> if, if even <laughs> born at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after Paul Allen's dished his card out, no one's seen that. Bateman pulls his cards out, and he's very, very, very proud of his card, which is bone is the color he's used and he's very smug that he's got a great business card we then get two other cards that are pulled out that are better than his followed by paul allen's card that is better than everybody and it's obvious that bateman is furious and he christian bale's acting to show that he's so angry and holding it all back is exceptional um Don't worry, Bateman doesn't have to bottle things up for much longer. (laughs) (laughs) He really doesn't. Um, So earlier, Bateman was talking about helping the homeless and lifting them out of poverty. Um, Mary, did he mean what he said? (laughs) Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We saw him take out another big wad wad of cash from the ATM before heading down a dark alley where he meets a homeless man. Um, He asked the homeless man why he's homeless. And the homeless man says, well, I haven't got a job. He's like, well, why haven't you got a job? And he's basically gearing the whole conversation that he's going to help him. And this homeless man, you can see that the he's, he's like, someone's going to help me. Someone's seen me. And then Bateman's face changes and he starts to mock him for being homeless and telling him that he smells and saying they have nothing in common. So he can't help him. And he hopes he realizes what a loser he is. He then stabs him and kills him. The dog next to him barks, which is the homeless man's dog, and Bateman stamps the dog to death.
1: Brutal. This was worse than him killing the homeless guy. It was. (laughs) It
0: really was. (laughs) Me and Lisa said the same. We watched that. Lisa's like, he killed the dog. I was like, what about the homeless guy? This sounds horrible, but I don't care about the homeless man, but that dog is... When I first watched this, this scene shocked me. It's incredibly dark and they do it in a very clever way. So they pan the camera right up above when he attacks the dog and you don't see what he's doing. You see the top half of his leg going up and down. You hear the dog yelping. It's a brilliant shot. Yeah, but you can still see the dog. A little bit, not as much as if they'd kept it at ground level. Well, no, no. I mean, it's not
1: like Savini level effects, but you you, you see him him stomp the puppet dog to death.
0: <laughs> it yeah. was
1: graphic enough to not enjoy the situation that was occurring on screen.
0: Yeah. Maybe he's a fan of Michael Myers. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a dog killer, too, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Um, we get a super brief scene with Bateman at a spa with a facial therapist telling him that he's got impeccable skin. Um, In the narration of Bateman's mind, he's saying that his mask of sanity is beginning to slip and he's losing control Um, in my notes here. In contrast to what Mark said earlier, I put the nature the narration throughout this movie is fantastic and incredibly authentic to the book. (laughs) I've never read the book, so I don't have nothing to relate to in terms of that, but I don't know. It's
1: just. it's not in this film, which is what's wrong of me to say it. It's just, it's usually a very lazy narrative in a movie to use in a monologue. I feel like it's always a cheap way of explaining something without being able to physically explain it on screen. And I'm not saying that this is a film that falls victim to that because it's, it's very purposeful in terms of displaying Batman's emotions and his, clear and balanced and very, very close to the edge, explosive nature. However, because I'm so used to it being used in such a lazy and cheap way, I think it's kind of tinted my expectations of how it played out in this film. And as I said to you earlier, after the first 20 minutes, I kind of fell into it and it it was alright. It kind of lost that. I think it was more the initial shock value of it being done so early on that kind of threw me off guard. And it was more a case of being thrown off guard by it than anything else. But like I say, it works, and it does serve a purpose, but it's just for me, usually, when I see stuff like this done, it's a cheap exposition trick that I don't usually enjoy. It's it's Ah. basically like, instead of, oh, we're going to explain this in this narrative, and we're going to show you how this happens on screen, another cheap narrative is flashback instances. This one is more monologue-based, and it, it just... Again, like I said, I fell into it after 20 minutes. But the first initial experience of it, I was just
0: like, "Oh, that's lazy." I'm going to apologise to you in advance, Mark, for what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, he was six years old when I met him. That's an, no, incre- no, that's no, an incredibly no. long monologue no, in Halloween. No. don't do this to me man because now every time i watch that film (laughs) anyway we jump to a christmas party um does this class as a christmas movie no no Uh, maybe a little bit uh the the party's being hosted by evelyn um and she's very very cheery and she's got a new pet which is a pig um She shows it to Bateman and the babe was like, is mm-hmm, like, it's a pig. And she's like, what do you want for Christmas this year? And don't say breast implants again, <laughs> <laughs> which means that that was the gift he got her last year. Um, how he has a fiance is beyond me. I don't see why she's with him, bar any reason except money. Um, and he just walks away. She's trying to be like involve him and he just walks off and he goes and speaks to Paul Allen. Um, Paul Allen thinks he's Marcus again. Uh, but they agree to make dinner reservations. He almost gets caught out as well because Evelyn says, Why did he call you Marcus? In a very narcissistic, controlling way, he just grabs mistletoe and changes something. I found the mistletoe and then becomes this super charming character again. His switches between sinister and charming are so convincing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, So, so yeah. convincing. And I think that's all down to. Bell's performance. If I'm honest with you,
0: yeah, a hundred percent is, and I think Christian Bell owns this role more than anyone ever could have. Yeah. um We cut to him and Paul Allen at dinner in a very empty restaurant, which does not look like any of the posh places we've been before. um Bateman is asking Allen how he landed a particular account, and Allen's like, "I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you." And Bateman's kind of going, <laughs> <you're> "So funny." <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Alan then asks him where his wife is, thinking that he's Marcus. And Bateman says, oh, she's out to lunch with Evelyn. And Alan replies, great on, arse on her. But she goes out with that loser, Patrick Bateman. What a dork. (laughs) I don't get this point because clearly Bateman is not a dork. No, he's clearly not. But obviously that guy thinks he is. Right. I'll roll with it for now. Uh Bateman laughs it off, but you can see the rage behind his smile. And he says to Alan, would you like another martini? And this is where the movie completely goes off the rails in a direction that first time watch, I did not see this coming. Um, we cut to Bateman's apartment uh, and Alan is slumped over a sofa, clearly drunk. Bateman is talking about Huey Lewis and the news and saying how hip to be square is their iconic soundtrack. Um, speaking of soundtrack the soundtrack to this movie is incredible from start to finish
1: yeah from start to finish in fact I don't think I've watched a film in recent years that is as powerful as the score and soundtrack to this film like every single song that's featured in it is banger after banger after after banger it's so good
0: yeah I mean you've got everything from Huey in the News Phil Collins David Bowie The Cure Christopher Tina Turner it's like everything is just like If you love 80s music, you could leave this on in the background and just bop along to the bits (coughs) you get.
1: Yeah, the only CD you need to own is the soundtrack to American (laughs) Psycho.
0: Yeah. Um, Bateman is dancing round and he leaves. And when he comes back, he's wearing a clear clear rain mac and he's carrying an axe. Uh, This is the point where Alan uh, Alan turns around and goes, why is there paper all on your floor? Have you got a dog? And he he turns around to Bateman and goes, a little chow he's like no he's got you're wearing a rain mac he's like yes and he's so (laughs) gleeful with it and Alan's like I don't get it and he kind of spins around again as he turns around Bateman buries the axe in the back of his head and then chops at him numerous times before stopping taking off the rain mac sitting down and lighting a massive cigar Um, and all this happens to the sounds of hip to be square (laughs) The thing that's most
1: concerning about this entire scene is, is how premeditated this whole experience is. It's yeah. like the paper on the floor, the dust sheets everywhere. He has, he, You even see the cigar on the desk ready, almost like as if he knows. He has the axe in the bathroom along with the raincoat. He puts it on. He lays the axe down next to the kitchen bar as if to come back in, have a brief conversation, but he's put it in a, clo- in a in close proximity, ready for him to pick it up. Like Everything is strategically planned out. It's almost like he's been thinking of doing this for months and months on end, and almost to, to perfect execution, which it is inevitably a perfect execution.
0: Yeah, I Mary, your thoughts on this scene? First time you saw it?
2: <clears throat> I saw this movie in the theater when I was like sixteen, so every single scene was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" <laughs> <laughs> we, had no, we had no idea what we went into. We just it was like at a dollar theater, like, "Okay, we like horror movies, let's check this out," and. Two 16 year old girls were like, "Okay," but
0: yeah, it's iconic. That seems iconic. It it is. It's become the if anyone uses clips from this movie to talk about this movie, it's always that clip. Always. Always. Um, We see Bateman drag the body through the lobby of his building uh, before stuffing it into a boot. He always gets caught again, but they do a really good job of showing how everyone's focused on what people have got and not actually what's going on. So he sees someone he knows. He sees him stuffing the bag into the boot. The bloke doesn't give a shit about what's in the bag. He asks him where he got his bag from. (laughs) This is Louis again, is it not?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Where did you get your overnight bag? It's lovely.
1: (laughs) But I was just so... I was like, what is going on? He's dragged this body and it's clearly leaving a blood trail across the hotel lobby floor.
2: But then you don't see the blood trail when he's outside, so
0: no i
1: we'll, know what is happening <laughs> we'll,
0: uh, i think i think it's all explained in the end so we we'll cycle he's back
1: it's very much not explained
0: <laughs> um after he's got in a cab he disappears and we don't know where paul allen's body goes uh we do know that he goes to paul allen's apartment later that evening because he took the keys from the body he packs a suitcase and records a new answer phone message on his answer phone, saying. Hi, it's Paul Allen. I've gone to London. If you need me, I'll be there for a couple of weeks. Uh, Ends the message with hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Um, The following day, Detective Kimball arrives at his office and interviews him regarding Allen's disappearance. Uh, Detective Kimball is played by William Defoe. This scene is uncomfortable to watch. They are both incredibly good at making you feel unnerved and i don't like this scene it's very it's like do you know do you know he's the killer and like <laughs> patrick bateman's asking more questions of the detective than the detective's yeah. asking of him It's like oh so suspicious A very
1: simple interaction as well and it just showcases the two powerhouses that play here in terms of acting capabilities because anybody else trying to do a scene like this i don't think it would it would be as impactful as it is with these two actors
0: no, I, I'd agree with that, and it's, it's it's a really brief scene. It's over really quick because Bateman yeah. cuts it short. He's like, "I've got dinner reservations anyway. If you need anything, just let me know," and kind of shoes him out the door.
2: Do you notice what he said to him? He said, "I'm ha- I have a lunch meeting with Cliff Huxtable at the Four Seasons." Cliff Huxtable's from the Cosby Show.
0: Oh,
1: really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. <laughs> Bill
2: Cosby. That's like his character in that show. So, oh really? <laughs> I, yeah, I thought it was funny because he questioned the Four Seasons, but not a meeting with Cliff Huxtable. So
1: yeah, because he says yeah. that the Four <laughs> Seasons the opposite side
0: of town, doesn't it?
2: Yeah,
0: that's oh, about. Well, that's I missed all of that. I did. That's <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, oh, that's that's good. because that, that kind of just adds into how crap his story was. Mm-hmm. He was so unprepared for this guy coming, wasn't he? Yeah, he didn't see this guy coming at all. Um, we get a flash cut to Bateman exercising. And the only reason I've put this in here is, again, to say, God, this man is ripped. And also, he was watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the background.
1: No, he wasn't just watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was watching the most horrifying scene in that yeah. one. It was just Sally hardesty screaming for about 20 minutes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, while he have, works out. While he works out. This is perfect. Right. Everyone's got that in their headphones at the gym, surely.
2: <laughs> so when he kills, he listens to music. But when he's working out, he watches horror movies. So yeah, or pornography, or or, <laughs> yeah.
0: or, or both. <laughs> or both. Yeah. Um, we cut to him jumping into a, a limo. He's taken the limo to a rough area in town, uh, and we see a hooker on the corner. And he gives us some money, and they go back to their apartment. Um, on the way back to his apartment, he makes a phone call um, to another. Uh, lady of the night escort service asking for a blonde who does couples. Um, there's a load of dialogue in this scene that I'm going to gloss over, but there are a few moments I want to touch on because this set piece is just mind boggling how anyone even come up with this scene. Um, so he renames both the girls, um, telling one that she'll answer to Christy and the other one, I will call you Sabrina. He makes the girls undress. And then he makes Sabrina dance seductively while Christy gets on all fours so she can see Christy's asshole. Um That's his words, not mine. I don't um, know how he got through that line without laughing. It's the next line that comes out of his mouth. Killed me when I heard it. He looks at Sabrina and goes, don't just stare at it. Eat it. Brilliant. Bad. I, this was the point where Lisa went, I'm going to get a drink. Uh, and and she does she does do as Patrick Bateman asked asked her to Um, we then get some very energetic sex Um, he does both girls while posing in the mirror (laughs) repeatedly it's incredibly weird scene but I found myself very self indulgent I laughed quite a bit throughout this this segment I know I should it's kind of that you laugh and go I shouldn't be laughing at this, but it's funny. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing happens to Phil Collins, Susudio. Which is a banger, by the way. I love that song. It is. Um, they all fall asleep uh, with Bateman in the middle. And he wakes up and gets out of bed where he opens a drawer where I can only describe he's got torture tools. We don't see what happens next because this was cut to get their R rating. Um, oh, that was going to be one of my biggest questions like what's happened has he made them fight each other or no he's basically paid them vast sums of money to cut them and knock them about a bit right because later on she says oh someone like one of them needed right jaw reconstruction surgery and stuff doesn't she? when he goes back to christy later on yeah um i don't think we needed the torture scene i think it worked with them leaving and you could see the cuts on Christie's back and like, she's got a bloody nose and like her lip's all swollen. He just hands her money and says, have a lovely evening.
1: Yeah. I would have liked to have seen it, not because I'm sadistic in any way, but I would just like to have had more of an inclination as to what was actually going on there. Cause I, I, my immediate reaction was, oh, he's made them fight each other. <laughs> I was like, he's made them have a fight. I don't know why. That was just what I thought. That's what, that was my takeaway from it. He's like, oh, he's, He's made them fight each other for money or something like that.
0: What, like, what was that thing that went around in the 90s But when YouTube first started? Bum fights. Where people yeah, yeah like bum pay... fights kind of thing. So like <laughs> prostitute <laughs> fights. <laughs> Welcome to Hooker Wars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. <laughs> um, we jump up to Bateman and his trader friends in another bar. Uh, fun fact, we don't see any of the traders do any work in the entire movie, including Bateman. No, I still don't know what any of them do. Oh, <laughs> neither do I. They, they they sell and trade stocks. Yeah, it's a natural, <laughs> yeah, natural thing. Yeah, it's a natural thing. Make vast amounts of money. Um, while they're being their usual sexist selves, this is where Lewis walks in and he shows off his new business card with raised gold lettering. Um, Lewis is very proud and he heads off to the bathroom with a big smile on his face. Um, and Bateman follows him. And as he does, he puts on leather gloves. He finds Lewis at the urinal and he wraps his hands around his neck. And I literally sat on the sofa by went, bye, Lewis. Um, yeah. Lewis spins around and drapes his arms over his shoulder saying, I've been waiting so long for this day. I see you <laughs> looking at me. Bateman's reaction and Christian Bale's reaction to this is fantastic. Yeah. It's the most unsecure male response to a gay man doing this. He completely freaks, even washes his gloves in the mm. sink as he <laughs> leaves. Um, and he literally dashes out as he's leaving. You see Lewis comes back into the bar and he gestures like, call me. <laughs> it's one of the most quotable lines of this entire film
1: as well. And he's like, Lewis is like, where are you going? Where are you going? And Ben was like, I have to return some video to this. Yeah. <laughs>
2: first drop of that line
0: yeah he uses it a couple of times and the thing is back then that was a real excuse oh really it
2: was
1: yeah
0: yeah (laughs) it marks like i don't remember that
1: i remember (laughs) the era i didn't return the tapes my parents did
0: (laughs) (laughs) um bateman's day doesn't get any better so he rushes off from here and he gets back to his office where he's met by kimball Um, And Kimball wants to know where he was and he wants an alibi. Um, Bateman initially goes with the line, I was returning some videotapes for this scenario as well. (laughs) Um, I wonder what sort of late fees he'd get on the films he's returning. Do do, do you reckon (laughs) he goes back and they're like, um, there seems to be a late fee here on Anal Explorers 5. Um, We really need that back.
2: And it wasn't rewound, so you have a rewind fee.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, I, you used to get a rewind feed, didn't you? I completely forgot yeah. about that. Um, in this interrogation, Kimball is brilliant because he said he's just bought a copy of Huey Louie in the News and asked Bateman if he likes them. Mm-hmm. And Bateman turns around and goes, No, Huey's a bit too black sounding for me. Oh my God, the most racist line I've ever yeah, heard. I, of a movie. I had to listen to that a couple of times. I'm
2: like, Did he just say too black sounding? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Um, I di- I,
1: again though how like I didn't understand why he was so quick to brush off his love for Huey Lewis and the news because like it's not like he knew that he was listening to it at that time
0: I didn't but, understand but Kim- why the detective because Kimball didn't buy that Kimball's got that from Paul Allen's apartment oh ah. uh, right okay because he left no because he
1: went, it was in Bateman's apartment well, they were know. in Bateman's apartment weren't they yeah I don't yeah, know yeah that. that's what I'm saying so I was confused by that scene I was like why because she was in bateman's apartment so it's not like he'd left the evidence behind in alan's apartment so i didn't get the relevance of that or why he was so quick to shut it off i don't know then
0: (laughs) plot hole (laughs) Uh, if you know the answer and you want to fill the plot hole you can email us you run podcast at Uh, gmail.com uh kimball says he's going to give bateman some time to go through his diary and work out where he is. He understands he's a busy man. And they agree to have dinner later that week. We get more Bateman sex now as he bangs um, Courtney. I've got to say this man is a stallion. <clears throat> he's he's had a night with two ladies and the following day, a night with another lady. I want him to walk. <laughs> <laughs> it just wouldn't, wouldn't be happening. Um, he finishes having sex with Courtney and gets dressed immediately. I said earlier, she's such a sad character. She's clearly in love with Bateman. She's depressed and she's reaching out for help. And he basically just leaves because he misses all of these social cues that that any of us would pick up if someone was sad or they were struggling. We'd go, is everything okay?"
2: She seemed like suicidal in this scene, actually. And he... Completely
0: missed it. <laughs> you completely missed it, and ends with going. Well, if I don't see you, have a lovely Easter. Yeah, he's 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 just so 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 brutal. Um, I think they do a very good job of making him very detached emotionally from everything mm-hmm. that comes across very well on scene. The boys are back on town again, um, and this time they're taking cocaine in a club um, where they meet a model, uh, and Bateman leaves with one of these models. The following morning, nurse in a hangover, um, Bateman is sat in his office with sunglasses and he's twirling a lock of the model's hair. who I'm now assuming he's killed. Um, and Jean comes in and he quickly hides it in his top pocket. And he basically asks Jean to go out on a date and he says, I'll take you anywhere you want. And he's going to take her to Dorsier. And they agreed to go for pre drinks at his place at seven o'clock. Um, he is still a dick. He's asked her out and she's really, really happy. He's gone, You might want to get changed before you go out though. It's like his passing comment. Yeah,
1: because yeah, he phones a Darcy, doesn't he? And they're like, Oh no, sorry, we're fully we're fully booked, but he still pretends like he's got them a table.
0: Yeah. It it's very similar to conversations you and me have, Mark, when I tell you what episode we're doing next and you go <laughs> and you just completely ignore what I'm saying. Oh, mate, we have, like,
1: a four-week schedule. And I'm still probably going to message you next week, like, what are we doing tonight, mate?
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, I've had some awkward dates in my time. This date in his apartment is awkward. The They're co- really uncomfortable. Um, she arrives and he offers sorbet, which I've never done on a date before. Would sorbet do it for you, Mary? Uh, no. <laughs> It'd do it for me, I'll be honest. If that, that's all you take, Marcus, it's a sorbet. I don't take the sorbet, but it'd be, nice, it'd be a nice addition. He <laughs> um, gets the sorbet from the fridge, which is right next to a severed head. Mm-hmm. Who keeps ice cream in the fridge? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he'd taken it out and put it in the fridge to thaw it a little bit so it was softer.
1: Oh, he's very caring then, isn't
0: he? Very courteous.
2: He's very meticulous with what he does.
0: Very, very meticulous. <laughs> um she takes a seat in the living room uh while he has a wander around his kitchen debating he opens a drawer and he's like should i kill her with these knives no closes the drawer looks at like his block on the side that's got bigger knives should i kill her with these no not going to use those and then he goes in a cupboard where he takes out some duct tape and she catches him she's like what's that he's like it's duct tape i need it to tape something and then he puts it away um he settles on the nail gun to kill her. But again, I was just so
1: confused, man. I was like, this is just too close for home for somebody who, like you say, is so meticulous in what he's doing. Everything is thought out. Everything is planned. And I know they're trying to suggest that he's slipping. But this was just such a, a leap for me, for him to just go and wipe out his receptionist when the police are on his arse and this that, and the other. It just, It just didn't it didn't seem to fit narratively for me. I was like, why, why, for, for what reason would he possibly want to be
0: pursuing this angle? Um, because he's a psycho. <laughs> Irrational thought <laughs> is probably not part of his repertoire. Yeah, but the thing is,
1: is, that's what I'm saying is, it's like they're spending so much time explaining that he is meticulous about every single move and every single step he's making. And I know they're saying he's slipping, but his his form of slipping is... He forgot to moisturise in the morning. Not just, I'm going to wipe out my receptionist who's had clear interaction with the detective who's on my tail. Well,
0: that's true. Film got a film. No, <laughs> don't use
1: that line on me in this film because I have a lot more to come before we get to the end. You can only um, use
0: that once per episode and you've just blasted it too early. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, Jean gets saved and she gets saved from a, a phone call and the phone call is from his fiance basically making plans for the following day. And she's like, um, do you want me to leave? The dialogue here is outstanding where they're having a conversation, but they're having two different conversations. And he's like, I don't know if I can control myself around you. Meaning that I I think I'm going to kill you. And she's like, (laughs) well, I I understand. I always tend to go for unavailable bed. You're like, you have no idea what he's saying to you.
1: (laughs) No. And they even use a line where it's like, I don't want to hurt you. She's like, uh, so I think she even says something like, I don't mind getting bruised a little
0: bit. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is awkward. Please just go. Um, <laughs> she eventually leaves and she reminds him that he's got dinner with Kimball tomorrow, uh, which is where we go next. At the dinner, Kimball has checked everybody's alibi apart from eight Bateman's. And you could see that Bateman is now panicking. And he's like, he can't remember where he was. And he's like, I oh, I think I was here. I was on a date with this guy. He's like, no, you weren't. But you can see he's like, shit, this guy knows. He's like, ah, where did all the others say I am? And he's like, well, you were you with them, of course? And you could just see the relief flood over his face. Like, I was. That's right. We had drinks. And then the next night I was at this place. Um, I don't know. Do you think do you think Kimball suspected him? I'm going to be honest
1: with you, mate. I don't have a fucking clue as to anything that's happened in this film by the time we get to the end. (laughs) Mary, do you think Kimball thought he was a killer?
2: I don't know. It's hard to say. Their interactions are always so, like, the dialogue, the the line of questioning, it's all just so weird. Mm. So I don't know. Very,
0: very offbeat. I think if a policeman questioned me how Kimball questions him, I'd be very unnerved. Like, what do you know? What don't you know? I guess yeah. that's kind of the point of why he, yeah, he
2: like that. Be doing that to yeah. get information.
0: Because he almost makes, he almost
1: makes Batman feel like he's an informant on the case. Like he's yeah. helping Kimball, like they're, they're working together to try and solve this problem when really he's trying to get to the bottom of Batman, not yeah. having him help. He makes Batman feel like he's helping him solve the case.
0: Yeah. I, I think I kind of think he does suspect he's, up to something but i don't think he knows what it is i think he's yeah i think he's fishing um, yeah. i mean for me i i the
1: ending aside i feel like he is his prime suspect but he's luring him into a false sense of security it's what my take was on it he was making him feel comfortable enough to either slip up or open up to him even though kimball had him pegged as the, the prime suspect from the start
0: yeah well, then that makes sense. That that does make sense to me. Uh, Bateman here is like a giddy schoolboy when that meeting's over. Um, he heads straight back to the street where he picked up Christie uh, to find her there again. But she's like, I am not interested in coming with you ever, ever again. Um, last time I went to the emergency room. Yeah. He then writes her a very, very big check, which we don't see the sum of money. She takes that and then gets back out of the car. He then flashes a massive wad of cash and she agrees to go with him and he promises it won't be like last time. They go back to Alan's apartment this time um, and he introduces Christy to a friend of his and they're they're drinking and he spikes both of their drinks with ecstasy. Um, If you're wondering how I know that's ecstasy, I had a a youth. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One thing in particular Uh, (laughs) I liked about the remarks in this scene is when Christy walks
1: in and she's like, oh, I don't think it's... Oh, this is much nicer than your other apartment. And you can see in Bateman's face how angry he is that she finds Alan's apartment better than his yeah. apartment.
0: Yes. <laughs> he suggests that the two girls have a bit of kissing and and get it on. And his friends like, no, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not that way. Um, then the ecstasy kicks in, and then they're both that way and very, very into it. Uh, we get a very similar sex scene to earlier with Bateman just being the prowess of specimen that he is. Um, while this is going on, Christy kind of sneaks out of the bed and decides she's going to leave. She's going to make a dash for it. And this is where we see the blood sort of come out onto the sheets where he's killed his friend under the sheets. Um, what did he do here? Did he bite her? I think he had a weapon and a bit of biting. I think it was a combination of two things. Cause he like kind of rose up and had blood all over his
1: face and it came from the area where he was going down on her. So I had to assume he'd like.
0: <clears throat> I thought he was on. like
2: biting her. Yeah. I thought that
0: was. Yeah. Cute. He bit it off by all accounts. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that's to stop. Them. Don't do that guys. Don't bite down there. If you do bite, bite gently. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> sex um, tips from the Euro podcast <laughs> yeah we we'll cover it all here um christy makes a run for it um and as she goes through the room she finds various different dismembered bodies in the bathroom in the one of the other bedrooms um she eventually gets outside and starts banging on on neighbors doors for help um to my shock bateman comes out stark, bollock naked wielding a chainsaw and chases he was, her down the hall was, you know yeah with tennis
1: shoes on and that's what I found so impressive about this scene as well is because when they're in the bed they're all completely naked apart from (laughs) Bateman who is so meticulous and has tennis shoes on while he's having sex I'm like why the hell is that dude wearing nothing but shoes
0: hence why he's wearing nothing but shoes (laughs) yeah Uh, and and all that time you were thinking it was just for extra grip (laughs) (laughs) Um, she runs down the stairs and Bateman stops and he doesn't chase her. He then dangles the chainsaw over the stairs and follows her, sort of circling the chainsaw all the way down, dropping it just at the right moment to impale her on the floor at the bottom of the staircase. One of the most inventive kills in any horror movie ever.
1: I have never, ever in my entire life wanted to see an episode of Mythbusters about a certain scene more than I have this one in
0: particular. <laughs> really?
1: Really. Really. I need this on Mythbusters yeah. in the next season. Definitely.
0: <laughs> um, buckle in, this is where the movie takes it up a gear. After what we've just discussed, that sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Bateman breaks up with Evelyn at a restaurant um, and he basically says, I- I'm going now because you're making a scene. I don't know if this is a thing that still happens, but I know when I was in relationships in my 20s, there was very much a, a thing of if you broke up with someone in a public place, their reaction was to make a scene. Have you both experienced that?
1: No, I've been with my wife since I was like 19.
0: Yeah, I've, no, ha- I've
1: yeah. had like one serious relationship in my entire life and I'm still in it.
0: <laughs> Mary?
2: No, I've never been broken up in that way.
0: OK, maybe it's you know, just before
2: <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that was yeah. more.
0: Yeah, Mr. Divorce over here. (laughs) Yes, we've we've discussed the fact I collect wives like Pokemon cards. Let's move on. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, We see him go to another ATM uh, and there's a cat at his feet and the cat's sort of going around his ankles. And he goes, oh, here, kitty, kitty, kitty. When he looks up on the screen, the ATM machine says, feed me a stray cat. (laughs) To which he obliges, he tries to feed the cat into the machine. Um, a little old lady comes along and says, what are you doing to that cat? To which, without hesitation, he spins around and shoots her in the forehead.
1: Mate, I, 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 I have no words for what happens here and then within the next two or three minutes.
0: Um, yeah. The police pull up and after a very short chase, they corner him. Um, this is where he starts unloading his gun. He kills a couple of cops, and then the cop car explodes. <laughs> now, he looks... Bear in
1: mind he has a handgun, which has now shot at least 40 rounds of bullets without reloading.
0: Yeah, and when the cop car explodes, something very important happens here, which I think ties in later. He looks at his gun as <laughs> if to say, how the fuck did that happen? Right. I'm not playing GTA V. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. And
1: he has the same look on his face that I did when I was watching it.
0: Yeah. He literally takes the gun, looks and goes, (laughs) "Ah, guns make cars explode now. Great. Um, He goes into one building as he runs, runs away from this scene. Um, The security guard asks him to sign in and he shoots him in the head. He then leaves this building and goes into his office building and signs in nicely. He goes, well, the thing about this scene, I don't mean to
1: interrupt, but the
0: thing about this scene is
1: he runs, he shoots the guy at the desk. He runs out, he goes round the circular doors. <laughs> As he's going round the circular doors, the cleaner comes out the elevator. So he does another lap around the doors, shoots a cleaner, and then goes continuously through these revolving doors and back out the other side. But the building he goes into next and actually signs into yeah. is the exact same building. Yes, it is. The exact same building, the exact same corridor, the exact same desk.
0: Just Jonathan... A- Different, but it's like about a fun fact. It's, no, it's not. It's the same guard, it's the same. Uh, it? This film, it man, this it? film is blowing my mind. It's the same security guard.
2: Oh, I didn't really catch that. Wow.
0: <laughs> um, he goes up to his office, and this is where he calls his lawyer and he confesses everything, saying he's killed somewhere between 20 to 40 people, but he can't be sure. Yes, that, that's a big gap not to be sure about.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I would, I would say so if I was a killer. I would know how many people I've killed and how I killed them and when I killed
0: them. I'd like to think so. I, I, to, to say I've killed 20, I might be 40. I don't know, it might be 43. I don't know, I haven't, I've kind of lost count. Um, the following morning, he gets up and he heads to Alan's place. When he gets there, he puts on a face mask and I'm guessing that's because of the smell he was expecting when he walked in. He's greeted by the most pristine, beautifully white, Walls, white carpets, everything in here is clean. There's no sign yeah. of any murders, there's no sign of anything untowards.
1: Yeah, we should also mention at this scene in particular, as he's going
0: through this cleanly
1: decorated apartment, during the incident before he killed Christine with the chainsaw, she sort of did a little mad dash around the apartment and there was bodies everywhere, in the bathtub, mm-hmm. in the closet. There was, which explains why he would put the mask on when he went into the apartment because he's expecting the smell of dead corpses.
0: Yeah, but yeah.
1: obviously he goes in there and it's a different apartment altogether.
0: Yeah, it's all crystal clean and there's a there's a woman in there showing someone round. So there's a realtor in there and she's like, "Are you are you my one o'clock?" And eventually he kind of just leaves. She kind of goes, "I think you should go," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go." Yeah, because um, she kind of tricks him, doesn't she? She's like oh, where did you
1: hear about the ad? In the New Yorker. And he's like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it in the New Yorker. And she was like, it was never in the New Yorker. You, you should go like now. We don't want any trouble. I'm going to give you the opportunity to just leave and walk away. At which point he does and promises never to return. Yeah.
2: Um, he always confused me because I, I couldn't tell what was going on with, oh, with that.
1: This was the part you was confused yeah. about? <laughs>
2: yeah, this part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That realtor, I, there's something about her that I don't like either.
1: But Yeah, because she almost looked at it as if as to say, I know who you are and yeah. you need to go like immediately.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think first time watching this, mm-hmm. at this point, I thought there was someone going behind him and cleaning up after him, which is why he hadn't been caught. I, that, I don't, that's where my I don't head went. Um, he goes outside and he calls Jean in a state of panic and he's not making any sense at all. Um, and he basically hangs up on her. And she goes nosing through his desk and she finds a notebook where he's basically sketched out how he would have killed all these people. Um, but 90 percent of people watching this movie, I think, have now realized that Patrick Bateman has never killed a soul in his life. Have they? I have. Mary?
2: I go back and forth constantly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't think he's killed anyone, but we'll get to that at the very end, which we're nearly there. He now meets some of his trader buddies in a bar, and he spots the lawyer that he called earlier. And he goes up to the lawyer and is like, I confess to you, what's going on? And first of all, the lawyer doesn't know who he is, which made me chuckle. And then the lawyer's like, yeah, it was a really funny joke. I thought it was really funny. It's like, it's not funny, it's real. I I killed Paul Allen. He's like, yeah, it's not funny now, because you didn't. I had dinner with him in London two weeks ago. And this is where... You cut to Bateman's face just staring down the camera and we get the monologue where he's saying that he doesn't wish for a better world. Now he wants to push his sharp pain onto everybody and his confession has meant absolutely nothing. And the credits roll. Um, I'm sure this ending made Mark incredibly mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, But before we find out how mad it made, Mark, let's make some other people mad in Memes to Make You Mad. Memes to make you mad. (laughs) Uh, Okie dokie. Memes to make you mad is back. And I put up a meme that was a picture of our friend, Stu Marker. And it simply said, will Stu Marker return in Scream 7? For the record, this was not a meme to make you mad. But it did. Lots of Of people mad. Of (laughs) course it (laughs) did. hey internet eric here just give it up everyone uh our friend gareth at video tasties for fuck's sake jim's retro emporium here we go again uh top shelf horror uh one of the one third of the gorky's table podcast gonna blindfold yourself for getting a pen with a bull next i put no that's <laughs> i replied to that said no that's screen eight um scorn the hell priest denial is a river in egypt He's dead all in block capitals. Um my actual meme to make you mad I put a meme out where I said Scream 6 was better than Scream 1996 and everyone was really pleasant and respectable on that post not a single person had a go at me. Wow um, well I will take the opportunity to do that for them. Are you crazy? I, I said it on the I said it on the episode it still stands today. Um internet trolls you failed. <laughs> Try harder next time. Speaking of failing, uh, it's time for Horror Not Horror. Wait, Master. It might be dangerous. This is not a test. is wrong bitch. the question is is it horror or is it not horror I am serious and don't call me Shirley I am not mr. Lebowski he slimed me when Mary is not gonna fail um, <laughs> I've made it impossible for you to fail because I scored zero when I <laughs> took the quiz on last so whatever you do if you get one right you were above me and um, Fifteen movie quotes. You get a 50 50 chance. So you need to say whether it's from a horror or not a horror. Um, If you know the movie, even better, you get a little bit of extra praise and we will say, "Wow, I can't believe you knew that one. Um, But it doesn't matter if you don't. Uh, Ten points per correct answer. If you get 12 right, you will sit on top of the leaderboard and you'll take out a lease. Uh, If you get eight right, you'll go second. And if you get seven right, you'll tie with Mark and Imitation Dave. Um, So are you ready to do horror not horror?
2: Let's try it.
0: Um, Do you want me to go first or Mark to go first?
2: Whoever wants to. (laughs) I'll
0: let you take the first. Okay. Uh, Quote number one. You are my master. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh,
2: This is supposed to be the easy one?
0: Yeah, this is easy. Is that horror or not horror?
2: Um, That sounds like not horror to me.
0: That's correct. Any idea what movie it might be?
2: Is that like uh, Young Frankenstein or something?
0: No, it's, it's actually from Up, 2009.
2: Oh, I've never seen that.
0: As you should, it's magical. (laughs) Um, Question number two. I have
1: to return some video tips.
2: Oh, God. Four.
1: (laughs) That is correct. Do you have any idea what that might be?
2: Uh, American Psycho.
1: That is correct. Well done. 20
0: points. Uh, Number three. You're a fucking ugly bitch. I want to stab you to death and play around with your blood.
2: Okay, we're going for another American Psycho quote.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is that is your sick. final
1: answer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Well done. That's another three, another uh, ten points. So that puts you on thirty points. So question number four: Help! I've got him. Hey, Daddy! I've got him trapped. Help! Where are you? That sounds like an eighties
2: horror movie or something. Mm, well, I'll say horror,
1: but I don't know the movie. You don't know the movie? You sure, don't <laughs> want to take a random guess. You've got it right, by the way. Squad. You have got it right, yeah. Monster Squad? I'm not sure. No, that was a Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. Oh wow! Okay. I probably uh, didn't read it as well as I could have done. <laughs> I read that like a little kid saying it.
0: <laughs> uh, number five. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. So you either hand over your son, or you can die screaming alongside him. Oh,
2: uh, it's John Wick.
0: Right. Wow. I don't that know is, which
2: one, but. Yeah,
0: it is John Wick. And yeah, it's another one. That's correct. So you're now on 50 <laughs> points. You're flying just through this. It's
2: all part four, so that's why yeah. it's a
1: <laughs> Question number six. Put your balls on Evan. We're going to Willy's. <laughs>
2: um, dare I say horror? The
1: that is horror. correct. Well done. That is Willie's. Oh, no. What would. What, <laughs> What film do you think that might be from? Um,
0: I I don't know Uh, I I kind of (laughs) gave it to you a
1: little bit (laughs)
0: That is Willy's Wonderland Uh, Number seven You have the right to remain silent So shut the fuck up, okay You have the right to an attorney If you can't afford an attorney We will provide you with the dumbest fucking lawyer on earth Oh.
2: It sounds like not horror. I'm not sure what the movie is, though.
0: It is not horror. Can you imagine Chris
1: Rock saying it?
2: Oh, Chris Rock saying it? Is that Rush Hour?
0: Close. It's Lethal Weapon 4.
2: Oh, okay.
0: But you're flying through, so you're on 70 points now. So you are now tied in second place with Mark and Imitation Dave.
1: Okay. What's the deal with the rules of this quiz? I've completely forgotten. Do you lose everything if you
0: get one wrong or do no, you walk away no no you just keep going you just keep whatever going. you okay. get whatever you get at the end you've got at the end so you're you're, you're in second now whatever happens you get this you tied in second you get this <laughs> one right and you're going to be in second all on your own excellent question number eight I like to see your face give me some clue what you
1: think might be what I'll start that again I like to see your face give me some clue what you might be thinking hmm.
2: Not horror.
1: That's correct. I Any don't idea know. what that might be? No. Well, you're immediately in second place. Well done. So you've got 80 points. And that was from 50 nice. Shades of Grey.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I would have <never> get
1: that. <laughs>
0: uh, number nine. They're fireflies. Fireflies that uh, got stuck up in that big bluish black thing. Huh.
2: Uh, not horror?
0: It's not horror. Any idea of the movie?
2: No, no.
0: That was The Lion King.
2: Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not, worried. not to worry, you still got 90 points. And question number 10, you are flying through these. Question number 10, so you're worried, not because you'll be in a house full of vampires, but because you'll think they won't approve of you. like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Heather. Heather, you must be proud. <laughs> well done, mate. Correct.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, I, I like sticking things in purposely for Texas Twilight. Hi Heather. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You're you're absolutely killing this. You're at a hundred points now, so you're only two away from taking the top spot. Ooh,
2: okay.
0: uh, number eleven. Einstein's theory of relativity. Grab hold of a hot pan. A second can seem like an hour. Put your hands on a hot woman and an hour can seem like a second. It's all relative.
2: Hmm. That's not horror.
0: Well, te- technically I agree with you, but it is actually oh. horror. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have gone first. <laughs> it is from Deep Blue Sea, 1999. <laughs>
1: not to worry you're still on 100 points and we trudge on to question number 12 anywhere you go desire is desire the sun cannot bleach it nor the tide wash it away
2: can you say it one more time
1: please anywhere you go desire is desire the sun cannot bleach it nor the tide wash it away it sounds like
2: not horror
1: not sure of the movie. It sounds very philosophical. <clears throat> is
2: that your answer? Not horror? Not horror, yeah.
1: That is correct. And the film was Beach the Beach from 20... Oh. Well, 20. 2000. <laughs> 2000. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. get very lost with dates these days. days. It's 20, 20...
0: Yeah, they come out in the year 2000. We're at 2023 yeah. now, yeah, You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going with this. That's Leonardo. Um, it is right? Leonardo, Leonardo oh, Cappuccino, yes. Yeah <laughs> um, uh, Number 13 Honey I'm home Oh I forgot I'm not married
2: <laughs> uh, That sounds familiar uh, Not horror
0: Correct not horror. It is not horror Any idea of the movie
2: I'm home oh god no
1: it's not coming to me if I said to you it was the greatest Batman
2: you said it's a what
0: the greatest Batman film
2: the one with Michael Keaton
0: yeah it was it was Batman Returns from 92 (laughs) Um, so you're now on 110 points you're tied in first place okay get this one right 110 is that right she's only got one wrong I oh, know. Oh, sorry, 120 points. You are in first place. Oh, <laughs> well done, well wow. done. Okay.
2: Right.
0: Question number 14. Let's secure it
1: and put a lead on it. These Italian liners, you know, they couldn't compete for a speed, so they're built for flirting art palaces instead. Places instead. How Pal- palaces instead? Okay. Say it one more time. Oh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'll read that again, but this time I'll try to read it properly. These Italian liners, you know, they couldn't compete for speed, so they built these floating art palaces instead. Oh, God, I have no idea.
2: Not horror?
1: Uh, Unfortunately not. It is horror. Now you know it's horror. Does that make any sense to you? It is horror? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know the movie. It's from Ghost Ship from
0: 2002.
2: That's probably the last time I've
1: seen that. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, question 15, last one. So, whatever happens, you're top of the leaderboard. It's whether you extend your lead a little bit further. Um, I hear the list is longer than my Wang. <laughs> I
2: have no idea. Uh, let's just say, not horror.
0: That unfortunately was horror, and it was an episode you joined us on. It was it chapter chapter one. (laughs) (laughs) Richie, of course.
2: I got it right. I was fucking right.
0: Let's do some hot takes. So, horror versus reality. This wasn't the first Christian Bale movie I ever saw, probably the fourth or fifth. That said, this solidified my love for him. Satire and my love, hate feelings for Jared Leto. Now, excuse me, I have to go and return some videotapes. <laughs> um, this girl loves horror. I don't get the hype for this one. I think Christian Bale plays the part well. I just don't think it's a great film. Nate Mair. I love the movie, but Christian Bale's performance reminded me of a friend from high school, so I couldn't take him seriously. Wow. There's someone out there just like Christian Bale's character in this. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. um, mad love horror. As someone who has read the book, I personally love both. In some ways, the book is better. In other ways, the film is. The film actually more toned down than the book. But the point of the character of Patrick Bateman was to show toxic masculinity kicked up a notch. The story is as relevant today as when the book was written and when the screenplay was ad- ad- adapted. And finally, Nightmare on Woodborough Lake. Hefty blockbuster, Bill. <laughs> so facts for this are i'm going to rename this week this is christian bale appreciation facts because <laughs> they are all around christian bale um during production christian bale followed the morning routine that his character patrick bateman describes and he'd done this every single day of shooting wow did he make it to a thousand crunches he did <laughs> um, the single biggest cost for this movie was purchasing the rights for the various songs used throughout
2: yeah
1: i can see that I, yeah i believe that as well 100 percent. this has some of the most iconic songs throughout it that i've seen in any film and that must have cost an absolute fortune but
0: an absolute fortune almost a third of their budget was used to get the songs they wanted,
1: I feel like it's pivotal to the film though I feel like yeah. without it, I don't think it would have held. Especially considering it's such a big part of the narrative. His his love for music and the importance of it in his life. I think like if you hadn't, you couldn't have done that with any sort of generic type of no studio based. What what do you call them these days? Where you get like a standard yeah, like music a, off the internet, like a cover, like, like a yeah, standard, license free,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, license-free kind of stuff. There are some errors in this, but only small ones. So Patrick Bateman states that Huey in the News album 4 uh, was released in 1987, when in fact it was released in 1986. Mm. Um, a sign reading, this is not an exit, is shown in the closing scene. These are the last words in the book. Um, the vast majority of dialogue in this is taken word for word from the novel by Brett, uh, Brett Ellis. Um most of his monologue is lines from the book, which I've really appreciated. Um Christian Bale almost didn't get this part. This part was given to Ewan McGregor. And Christian oh, Bale he's... Christian no. Bale called Ewan McGregor and asked him personally to turn it down. And as a favour to him, Ewan McGregor did. Um, Christian Bale was told by all of his agent, his family, his friends and everyone he knew in Hollywood doing this movie would be career suicide. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> they were very wrong. Um, Christian Bale insisted that he wanted to get this wrong. This was the part he wanted. Um, so he arranged a, a dinner with the writer. Um, when he went to the dinner, he turned up as Patrick Bateman in the suit, doing the part, doing the the way he spoke in this movie. That's how he met the writer of the book. After 10 minutes, the writer asked him to stop because he couldn't handle it anymore. And he's later said it's probably the single most creepy moment of his life because it was like his character come to life and went to dinner with him.
1: That's crazy. That's (laughs) insane.
0: Yeah. Um, There is a lot in this that Christian Bale improvised. Most of which surrounding the murders of people in this movie. Um, so the moonwalk that he does when with the axe was not part of this. <laughs> the, um, the chasing when he chases with the chainsaw, him lifting the chainsaw up like the Texas chainsaw massacre as he wiggles down the hallway. That yeah. was not part of this. Um, you know, where he's got, you get the brief scene where he's skipping. Yeah. He was literally meant to skip. And he had it in the um, the like dancing side to side and like kicking his feet to the music. All of that was him. Every single thing he ablibed made the movie. Hmm. That's
1: impressive. I mean, that's just a
0: testament to him as an actor, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, how many times an actor will ablib and then the director will yell, cut and go, don't do that again must be untold. Yeah. And in this, every time Christian ad ablibed, the director sat there going, I'm going to make so much money. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to watch this, you can rent it anywhere in the UK. It's all over the place to rent. Um, you can get it with a star subscription as well. Um, in the U S you can get this everywhere to rent. Um, you can get it free with ads on Pluto TV as well. Apparently if you want to support us, you could do that really simply leave us a five or five star review, wherever you're listening. Um, if you have a bit of spare cash and you want to support us in a more financial way, you can go to urunpodcast.com, click on our shop and buy a t shirt. I will be adding an American psycho t shirt. No, let me rephrase that so I don't get struck for copyright. I'll be adding an American psycho themed t shirt at some point this week. Um Guess the Year. So last week's guess the year was of course. What year was it, Mark? you uh... have forgotten it was 1998 <laughs> It was
1: 1998 yes because my quote was blade your quote was blade
0: um people are finding this harder than the anagram game which is good but it's made it very very tight on the leaderboard um uh, i know we're only a few weeks in but it's it's neck and neck uh mark what is our movie quote our movie quote for this week is they have oh, won- oh i'll start again
1: they have to be warned, Sheriff. Jason will return to the era... I want to start again. I've lost my mind completely.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give me a moment. They have to be warned, Sheriff. Jason will return to the area that's
0: familiar. No matter what you call it, it's still Camp Crystal Lake to him. Okay. Uh, my movie is the movie Labyrinth, starring David Bowie, And the song I'm going to go with... Is Venus by Banana Rama?
1: Sweet. So, I mean, it's very clear what my movie quote is from. You just have to guess which one of that plethora of of films within that franchise it is. Um,
0: And the way this works, it's really simple. People have struggled with this to the point that the first week I actually told you the answer, and people still got it wrong. Um, You have to guess the year. So, the movie, the song, and the movie quote all come from the same year. And on my story, every single day, there's a space for you to guess the year. And on that story, I give you a further clue. So that's an extra seven clues. So how long are we going to run this for? Because I feel
1: like we're putting a lot of emphasis on everybody getting on board early on. But if we run it for a long period of time, you could maybe jump on halfway through and still get it right every single week and still be in with a chance of winning. Oh,
0: yeah, 100 percent. So we're going to run this same as we did the last Anagram game. We're going to run this for three months. So what are we now? We're April, May, June. Yeah, we could begin the June. We'll do we'll do a big episode beginning of June. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll finally commit and do Jaws versus Deep Blue Sea, and we'll announce the winner on that. Oh, we need to do that. We definitely need to do that. It, it, it's it's on our schedule at some point. Um, movie roundups. I'm going to dive in first for this one. I think. Can I, think I just I, switch things up a
1: little bit before we do our movie roundups? Can I ask you both? to give me your interpretation of how you perceive this film and what you think. So not, not, not your opinions on the overall production of the film and everything else, but I want to know what you perceive the narrative of this film to be in terms of, is this real or is this not real? I'll start with you, Mary. Ooh.
2: Okay. So when I did this show with BP, I, I, we had this conversation of, is it real or is it not real? And he concluded that it wasn't. And I'm always on the fence, always. Like each time I watch it, I feel like I get a different conclusion from it. Like today I watched it and I was like, maybe some of the killings are real and some of them are not. Like maybe the prostitutes, he's killing them because they're not, he can't connect with them. They're not on his level. And it's an easy thing to dispose of where he can't, do that with his colleagues because he's trying to fit in and um etc. And the whole identity thing that's confusing. They're always calling him different names. His attorney calls him a different name and Paul Allen calls him, I think, Marcus all the time. And it's like they live, they work in this world where everybody looks the same. So it's like easy to confuse them with each other. And I'm like, does he just roll with it because of what he's doing behind the scenes? And he doesn't want to get the blame or is it a cover up or is he just so fucked up that he forgot to take medication and none of this is real? So yeah. I I still haven't come to a conclusion. But today I was like, maybe he's actually some of these are real and some of them are not. But he's not maybe taking his medication. So everything is just kind of meshing together
1: for him. So, so you're quite undecided on which way you want to go with the overall.
2: I am. I mean, he convinced me that maybe he wasn't because we want to believe he's not, right? But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. There's there's a lot of things in the movie where it just seems real, and then there's times where it's like, that's not real. I mean, obviously that's all fake. Like he's imagining that. So,
0: and Scott, what about you? Didn't kill a soul the whole movie. He didn't kill a soul. I'm convinced it's all in his head. So. All of the kills happened in his head and he writes them down all in his sketchbook. And that's that's how he's living them out. He's living them out by scrolling these sketches of what he's done or what he wants to do. I think he wants to kill. I think he's got the potential to kill. But in this, I don't think he's killed anyone. And I think his his fantasy
1: kind
0: of thing. It's a fantasy. I think his confession to his lawyer was him basically saying i need help which is why he ends the movie with my confession meant nothing
1: yeah the reason i'm asking is because i feel like this is going to be important to my roundup so in terms of the narrative of the book which i know mary you've read have you read the book scott i have a long time ago but i have read it so in the book is it uh, as ambiguous as this in the film
0: yeah pretty much (laughs) it is it (laughs) is right this is a very faithful adaptation as close as you can they cut a huge amount out um I'd probably say for the film's benefit Uh, would you agree Mary if they put some of the scenes that were in the book in the movie I don't it would have been an x-rated minimum
2: right and some of the there's like chapters I I think there's like one chapter solely on Whitney Houston's background (laughs) like her albums and stuff so it's like it's very descriptive and
1: yeah Okay, I just wanted to get an insight as to where you two were before I went on on my tangent, like I usually do. So. <laughs> okay, right, so okay,
0: okay. N- now you're prepped. I- I'm, g- I'm going to jump in first. So American Psycho is one of my all-time favourites. It's bonkers. It's so wild. It just it leaves you with more questions than answers, and I like that in a movie. It's Christian P- Bale's best performance by far. His adaptation of patrick bateman is flawless um the kills in this movie are unique and different and unlike the book there's a likability to patrick bateman um in the book i found that i really disliked him all the time whereas in the book he's very likable at times and he says things that you kind of chuckle to and Mm -hmm. that he's as much as I hate to say it there's times in this movie where he is quite relatable with things he says and frustrations he has um and I find his character fascinating incredibly fascinating I find the idea of someone having this mental illness that he's living out all these fantasies Mm -hmm. and they are so real to him And then he knows that they're fantasies. And then when he tries to confess that to the world, no one gives a shit because he hasn't done anything wrong. I find that really interesting. Um, The movie is far toned down from the book. um, And they've done that so they could get an R rating. Um, And I think they've done the right thing doing that. I think had this become, was released as an X rated movie, it would never have become what it did. Um, The movie deals with very real issues that are today, consumerism, toxic male behaviour. I mean, you've only got to look at at Andrew Tate as a prime example of what a modern day Patrick Bateman style character is that pumping their views out into the world. Um, It also deals with the dangers of women meeting people Mm -hmm. online and going on dates and being in this one on one situation with a stranger. And I think that's probably the scarier part of this, is that these people with these views and opinions actually exist. And that the people who do fantasize about killing people and never follow it through. And that's what I find scary in it. Um, It's outstanding. It's dark. It's not everyone's cup of tea. The humor's dry. The ending will leave you frustrated um, if you like a nice, neat roundup. For me, it's a it's a nine out of ten. I love it. Mary, what's your thoughts?
2: Well, I'm not going to go in that depth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie for me is a 10 out of 10. It's just uh, this is probably one of the movies I've seen the most out of any horror movie, any comedy, anything to me. it It's sick to say this, but this movie makes me laugh more than anything like it to me it's more like a horror comedy and I know it's not supposed to be I'm Ah. just (laughs) but I find myself laughing and I find myself quoting it all the time Patrick Bateman um, Christian Bale I can't imagine another person playing that role he just he's phenomenal Um, I, I mean I understand the undertones of the misogyny and and the consumerism and all of that it's just It just always leaves me with questions, which I don't typically like in movies. I don't like to be left at the end, like making my own conclusions. But this movie is just I enjoy that because it still makes me think after what it's been 23 years since it came out. And I still constantly asking myself, is this real or is this not real? So for me, it's a 10 out of 10 easily.
0: Okay, Mark, let's uh, let's bring the mood down. (laughs) (laughs) no do
1: you know what to be fair i came into this episode with a lot of disdain towards this film but actually discussing it with the pair of you this evening has has definitely shifted my opinion and my overall appreciation of this film um the issues i took with it mainly were the monologuing at the beginning and throughout the film um and then the almost satirical nature that it took from the point where he tries to put the cat in the ATM machine, it just kind of, it took a level of absurdity from that point on that I found hard to digest. Um, and they're all like my biggest gripes about this film, which which massively affected my overall score for it. But discussing it with you both this evening and having a deep dive into, I guess, what you can kind of say is, is Bateman's overall persona and his, his psyche is is something that's maybe shifted my opinion of the film. Um, I mean, I think the casting is phenomenal across the board from Bale, Witherspoon... Um, Defoe, even Leto himself, I think, was, was great in this film. I know that's a, a wildly unpopular opinion, but I, I thought yes, he is. himself... Yeah, <laughs> I, I, but I think even he was great in this film, I, and everything I've seen him in before this is fantastic as well. I think the soundtrack and the score to this is next level, something that you, you probably will never likely encounter within the horror genre ever, ever again especially considering it's taken what a third of the budget into <laughs> gaining the rights of this. You will never see this in the horror genre done to, to such a such a profound level ever again. Um I have issues with the ambiguity of the story. But again like talking to you guys about it and understanding what your interpretations of it is has shifted my interpretations of what I took away from this film i came into this thinking this was stupid and i you know me i as daft as it sounds to say i'm a basic bitch when it comes to horror i like an a to b start and finish and i like a slasher film i'm a slasher whore and i like an a to b that that's where i'm at when i come to horror i want something that i can just go into and tune off to and just enjoy gore and violence and 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 switch off from my everyday world and that's kind of my outlook with horror and that's why I'm into the horror genre because it is an escapism sort of angle for me. Um So when I come into a film like this where I'm having to process it and walk away from it and spend more time to it than I want to as a person, I kind of get a little bit frustrated thinking that I'm dedicating more of my time to something that's not necessary. And maybe I should read the novel and maybe I should read the book and that might maybe help digest the story a little bit better however overall i think that this is definitely an iconic piece of cinema um and i've shifted i've shifted completely something i never expected to do i was very low with my score for this film coming in but i i've ranked it a lot higher than i expected to so i'm going to give it a four out of five which i just know it was wildly unexpected for me it is a very enjoyable film and the more we've spoken about it tonight and we've discussed your takes on it has helped me understand things that i didn't quite understand coming forward i still have no idea about the ending and i'm still very very confused but the more we talk about it the more i'm kind of beginning to understand that the monologuing part of things is actually very very pivotal and very relevant to the story because without yeah. that the kind of idea that this is trying to portray of of bateman slowly losing grip of reality wouldn't make sense without that you couldn't have a straight a to b which is what i was wanting from the story without having that monologue but then throwing that in does confuse the narrative but then makes perfect sense with the ending
0: yeah i've got to ask what did you score it before you changed your
1: mind i was coming in at a three so that'll give it like a six, that's six out of 10. So it was still solid, but that was yeah. based more on performances and soundtrack and direction and editing. And that was my, my downfall for this was the story and the narrative for me and the ambiguity of the ending. That was what was reducing my score. But then speaking to you guys has has kind of increased that a lot more because I've got a bigger understanding or a wider understanding of the story, which I didn't have prior discussing it and I guess that's maybe the intention of the film yeah it's it's there as a topic piece but as I said I'm a basic bitch and i <laughs> I like <laughs> I like horror for horror's sake and, and, and for me this is out of out of my comfort zone to have to sit back and reflect on it and try to talk about it and digest it so even though that is kind of what we do on the show um yeah. it, that's the whole purpose of why we're here Uh, But yeah, no, I think I think speaking to you both has definitely increased my overall appreciation of this film and having insight from both of you makes me want to go back and watch it again from a different perspective, which I think even creates more of a unique angle to this film, because you can watch this numerous times and you could go in with a different attitude. You could go in with this is real and this is happening. And still mm. feel satisfied by it. Or you could go in thinking this is not as real. This is all in its head and still feel satisfied by it. And it's not very often. And you know me, Scott, and you know how much I hate the ambiguity of film. Yeah. I like conclusion and I like, I like a, I like story roundup and I don't like to feel like I have to walk away from something needing a sequel or a prequel or having to go to Google to find answers. But for some reason or another, it
0: kind of works here.
1: Yeah.
0: And that annoys me a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it wasn't a downer as much as I thought. Um, We are back next Monday. Uh, This is kind of a Monday thing. Kind of do it every week. Um, Also, our monthly edition of Horror Movie News is out now. Um you can get to that by uh, that and all of our shows by going to you run podcast.com and clicking the various links you can get links to all of our social medias there as well Um alternatively type in you run podcast into any podcast server and you get horror movie review true crime and horror movie news all pop up at the top of the list really really simple. nice uh, next week we are doing a poll picked movie which in honest to god i have no idea how it ended up on the show we're going to be taking a trip back to Tromaville as we cover Killer Condom. (laughs) Excellent. I wonder if that has an ambiguous ending. (laughs) Do you know that, I still can't get my head around it, that beat Christine.
2: That's crazy. Is
0: it yes i've, no, I've
2: never seen it, but I guess I've seen it i've never seen it i can't judge it i guess but.
0: Uh, yes killer condom beating christine is crazy that would like be putting sharknado 5 against halloween 78 and us doing sharknado 5 that's that how would lengthy like to happen, that,
1: that the thing is that is, that would be the outcome
0: though this is very true um until then what you need to do now is you all need to go to tiktok you need to click on the search bar you need to type lady crisis 7 then you need to click follow. When you've done that, you need to look at a couple of videos and you need to click like and you need to click <laughs> comment and you need to click hello and say, hi, you run podcast sent me here. I didn't realise you were on TikTok. You need to do the same on Instagram. And you need to go and say hello to Mary and become part of Mary's TikTok world.
2: Thank so you.
0: Go and do that now. Um, Thank you so much for, for coming back. I love having you on the show. Yeah, it's
2: fun. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, guys.
0: No, pleasure. More than pleasure, welcome. Um, have a lovely week everybody we'll catch you on Monday and until then be safe, be good do all those things you're meant to do and yeah I'm rambling, Marks you'll say goodbye bye (laughs) excellent, Mary (laughs)
2: see you guys
0: (laughs) see you all later my dixie wreck (laughs) I guess we're ready for the show then The writing is atrocious, not a single joke come even close to remotely landing or being funny.
1: I don't know why but that is extremely interesting to me. <laughs> I'm into that kind of thing. Get to the other, sorry. I feel like we're so spoiled by the internet these days. Thankfully this does wrap up quite quickly. Step, step back, step, step back. You're going to fuck up in a minute. I'm going to set your place on fire. Let's get higher. How do you know about these people? And what the fuck is this pattern? This effect made me want to die. This couldn't make its mind up on what it wanted to be. Yeah. Get a little bit of
0: gasoline. I'm going to
1: make it burn. I'm going to make it burn. Let's go. I'm going to make it burn. I'm going to make it burn.